Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Welcome, I'm Jarek Robbins, the new president of Success, but I'm no longer the newest member of the family as I'm excited to introduce our new podcast, Success Movie Rewind, and its host, Alex Stevens. We're going to spend this episode getting to know him and finding out what the new show is all about. Alex, welcome to Success. Thank you, Jarek. Very excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here. The question I would start with is who is Alex Stevens and what makes you a great fit for this role? That's a great question. Um, I think uh, really what makes me a great fit for this role is what makes me like everybody else. Uh, I love stories and I love movies and, uh, you know, I've just been obsessed with them all of my life. I think if anything makes me different, it's just that I really do become very obsessive with movies and stories uh, when I find them useful. And that's sort of... um, been the big story of my life. I've found, uh, especially looking back, you know, now I'm uh, at midlife, I'm a husband, I'm a father. And, you know, as I look back and and try to figure out, you know, what my values even are in the first place, so that I can, uh, you know, try to impart some of them, or at least live some of them and model them. uh, I just continually return to the stories that have been important to me. Uh, And in doing that, I found that talking about stories and uh, in turn listening to other people tell stories about their own stories is uh, just really what I've been interested in my entire life. So uh, I really feel blessed to be here and uh, I'm really excited to, to get started talking about some of these things. So it's just a very exciting time. I love that. Well, walk us through what is Success Movie Rewind? I would say Success Movie Rewind uh, is always going to be a work in progress, but it's, it's definitely a, a media property that is dedicated to leveraging the power of storytelling and particularly uh, film's ability to combine uh, sound and vision uh, to, to reach emotional levels uh, that maybe other pieces of art can't do or that you know do differently. Uh, and really empowering the audience through those stories to examine their own stories and, uh, you know, take more agency or more authorship uh, of their own stories in their own lives. Uh, So that's that's the big goal. Amazing. Speaking of stories, what is your history with personal development? That's that's another lifelong story, I I would say. Uh, And it's another one where, you know, I think when you, you look back on it, it, it's easier to articulate it now, and it, it almost makes it sound like I was thinking all of these things, you know, on this level at the time. I definitely was not. It's another one of those, uh, you know, situations where you look back and, uh, you know, you find these patterns emerging. But for sure, I think I've, I've always been drawn to self-help and personal development, really before I even knew what it was as a genre 
uh, I think for one thing, you know, just as you learn to read, even you find yourself relating to characters, you know, whether it's uh, Matilda in the early 90s was a big one for me. I know kids a little bit younger than me loved the Harry Potter books, which I ended up reading because, you know, my wife loved them, you know, and that's uh, another you know way that people relate to each other by sharing these kinds of stories with each other. And uh, one thing that's funny when I was thinking about getting ready for this podcast, I, w I remembered uh, my dad had books on tape, you know, because they didn't really, they, they were like the original podcast, uh, you know, limited issue. And so I had them, you know, I, I had my dad's uh, cassette container and I had like a little junior cassette player and he had this book by this guy, Robert Fulgham, uh, called Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And, uh, you know, I was uh, maybe in first grade, second grade, you know, so I was like, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. You know, <laughs> I did learn a lot two years ago and I listened to it over and over again. Uh, and I, I think, uh, you know, I haven't heard it in years and, you know, I haven't, uh, you know, really gone back to it on that level. But just something about settling into the rhythm of hearing somebody tell stories and then, you know, draw lessons from them, I think is very primal. Uh, and you know, that's just audio, you know, so I, I love this podcasting medium, but you know, uh, at least you know, when I was younger, when we were younger, movies were very special. Uh, and so, um, they were always, you know, something that I would, you know, really take a lot from, uh, and then you start to apply them. So you, you start to remember, okay, I'm, I'm watching this movie about, you know, kindergarten cop. And uh, I remember in everything I need to know, I learned in kindergarten, we talked about sharing. And look, Arnold's, you know, teaching the kids to share, you know, and Arnold's kind of, you know, a, a personal development hero. Oh, yeah, that's also the guy in my gym class that, you know, uh, my school says is the model for how to be strong. You know, so it's a, you, you sort of realize that, you know, within the culture, people are kind of walking around telling these stories. And, you know, you can't separate Arnold. Uh, the fitness guru from Arnold, the personal development, you know, success story, the immigrant success story, uh, and the storyteller. So uh, I really just feel, you know, on a, a on the level of my being, just drawn to these things. And then throughout my life history, uh, I've returned to these stories at moments of crisis, and you know, at, at really my darkest moments, and come out stronger for it. And I think again, that that's really the big story for all of us, and uh, returning to tell the tale. That's amazing. Um, one of the questions I've always asked people is what is the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome? And in this case, how did a movie help you navigate that? Wow. What is the hardest thing you've ever overcome and how did a movie help you navigate that? I will tell you that is a, a rocket launcher of a question, man. That goes <laughs> right to your heart, man. Uh, I will tell you this gets right to, uh, a very recent issue for me um, to fast forward a lot. Uh, I am an attorney and, you know, I've uh, obviously I spent some time in, in the law firm world uh, at a very high level. I was a big law attorney and uh, I took a risk at about year eight or nine of my career. Uh, I was a, a labor and employment attorney. I still am a labor and employment attorney. But I was a labor and employment attorney at a big law firm here in Dallas, uh, doing well, um, you know, entertaining offers from clients to go in-house. And uh, I eventually uh, decided to go with a more senior attorney to another law firm. Uh, 
to try something different, but really uh, one thing that was really important to me and, and it still is, and I think that really blends with success is mission is entrepreneurship, uh, you know, because I do think entrepreneurs really are storytellers uh, and they, are, they recruit people into their story and, you know, hopefully help people tell their own stories, I think, and empower them, you know, give them the tools. And at, in, in the practice of law, in big law, it, it's a great place to work, but the rate structure is so high that you really have to be, you know, a, a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company to really even have a value proposition there just because it needs to scale a certain way. Uh, and, you know, as I got older and a lot of uh, people I knew started succeeding in their own businesses, it was very frustrating to me to say, you know, to continually have conversations where people would say, I'd like your opinion on this. And I'd say, you know, of course, we'll talk about it, but it doesn't really make sense for your business model to, you know, work with mine. So anyway, it was a risk. I did end up uh, going to a smaller law firm, but as a partner uh, where I had the autonomy uh, to actually lower my rate so that I could spend more time with entrepreneurs. And uh, it really changed my life and, and the way I practiced and uh, really it's not that a, a corporate HR department isn't, you know, making a difference every day because I really think they are and I think they're vital, uh, increasingly so. But uh, to really sit down with someone who you know when they pay your bill, they're going to look at their bank account and, and ask themselves, is it good that this money's coming out? <laughs> you know, is it worth it? And even if they don't, the next time they pick up the phone, you know, you're going to want them to say, good, I'm going to get a bargain again. I'm going to walk away with more than I got. And that's, you know, always what I, I wanted to do. Um, but in, in working that out within the structure of the firm and the way I wanted to practice law, it didn't really work out um, the way I wanted it to. And it, it became increasingly clear, you know, I think everybody had the best of intentions, but the lesson I needed to learn was that uh, intentions don't always mean that everything's going to work out the way you started it. And it's not a reason not to embark on a journey, but uh, nothing really prepares you for that first time when uh, you sort of take a step and, and the path isn't really there, you know. So all of that is to say, uh, I kind of knew by the time it was time for everybody to agree to go our separate ways. I was ready to, to go on my own path. And, uh, you know, I knew I had clients that would come with me. Like I said, I was a labor and employment lawyer. So a lot of that's advice, but a lot of that's litigation. So, you know, I'm, I, I like to fight things. I'm, I'm, I can be adversarial, uh, you know, when, it, when it's called for. You know, and I, I was feeling very frustrated with myself and it was easy to, to see that in other people at the time. And, uh, you know, so I was ready to get out there and really fight for my business. And I knew I had clients that believed in me and that would want to, you know, continue working with me. And, uh, you know, so I talked to my wife about it and, and we were ready. And uh, so the, the day I came home ready to say, OK, you know, it's it's the new chapter. Uh, this is the main new thing in, in life. It's as if somebody is, you know, pulling the strings in the script of my life and saying, like, you thought, because, uh, you know, like uh, a book I think is really valuable in thinking about story is this book. It's called Story by Robert McKee. And he's a, a bit. Yeah, I, I see you nodding. Like He's a very famous script writer and speaker. 
And, uh, you know, he's just a great analyzer. I don't agree with him on everything, but his, his basic point about the importance of story is so vital. And one point that he makes in looking at a script is you just continually have to turn the wheel. The problems have to keep coming until you think there can't be any more. And then you have to throw 10 more. Uh, and you have to learn that, you know, all of that was good by the end. That's, you know, that's kind of the big story, the hero's journey, which he's big on. And uh, so that definitely, you know, happened in my life. Almost immediately I came home and uh, my wife told me that she was pregnant. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, coming in, having given up, given up our primary health insurance, you know, ready. We're, we're going to do this. We're feeling good about our resources. And then it's this brand new chapter. And uh, almost instantly there was like, a, you know, my heart stopped. And I was like, what now? And, you know, it was so obvious instantaneously that the answer is, is this baby is what now? And you, everything you thought just shifted. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Um, and it was really hard for me to take a step back, which is really what I needed to do. And I realized, you know, we, we kind of had our plans for how things were going to go. My wife was going to continue working. She's an attorney as well. Um, and we had to figure out what that meant for her career, what, you know, being a mother was, what becoming a mother was going to mean for her career. And uh, so we ended up just completely reversing it. Uh, I did continue working on some long-term projects, some, you know, creative, more consulting type projects. Uh, I ended up waking up very early anyway, you know, so I had a lot of time to do that. But uh, I ended up staying home and uh, my wife, you know, continued to pursue her career and, uh, you know, became a partner in her law firm. So uh, it was a complete reversal of what we thought was going to happen. Uh, and just, you know, blessings upon blessings when we look at it. And I really do credit that to the movie uh, Ali with uh, Will Smith and w Michael Mann directed it. Uh, I think it came out in the early 2000s, like around 2001. And there's a director's cut in 2016. And Michael Mann, uh, the director, explicitly said he, he streamlined it to be more of a hero's journey. Uh, but I really think, and, and this is a fast forward, you know, to some other points, you know, I think that I'll be bringing up a lot, but uh, one writer that I think is, is very vital is this guy, Stephen Pressfield. And uh, he has a, a couple books, The War of Art and Going Pro. And uh, he talks about uh, going on the, the hero's journey. But then after that, when you've come back to your community, or when you have a new tale to tell, what then? You can't keep going on hero's journeys all your life. Uh, you know, I know some guys who, who get, get caught up in just having vision after vision and, you know, they're, they're the same guy five years later, you know, doing the same thing, just having visions on the weekend. Uh, and you know, it's never applied. Uh, and Steven Pressfield's answer is, uh, you go on the artist's journey and, you know, you put aside what's, whatever your addictions are, which doesn't, which don't have to be drugs. Uh, and it's such an interesting definition. Uh, it doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It's anything that it has the result of impeding your progress. 
So if you say, you know, these are my values and this is what I want to be doing, but this is what I am doing, whatever's that delta, whatever's keeping you there, whether it's, you know, I, I drink a six pack every night or I work 18 hours a day, but I'm really only doing four hours of good work and it's, it's really a vicious cycle. Both of those, you know, one looks really bad, one you can spin to sound really good, you know, and, and I think there you need to look at what story you're telling yourself. Uh, but whatever it is, you need to put it aside and, and kind of grow up and apply what you've learned and help other people, you know, start to go on theirs. Uh, and so in Ali, you know, you've got this, the, the movie starts after the Olympics. He's already a gold medalist. He's come back to America and he thinks he's about to go on this championship journey. But as we now know, he gets his license taken from him, you know, for speaking out against the Vietnam War. And, you know, it, it's a 360. And by the time he's in a position to fight for the title again, he's fighting George Foreman, who is, you know, what he used to be. He's this young guy. He's a machine who can just destroy a punching bag. Ali's in his early 30s. And, uh, you know, he just has to be different. He has to tell himself, uh, you know, a new story. And, you know, there's this voiceover going through his head. You're facing a man who will die before he lets you win. And I was sitting there watching it and I was like, that man is, is me. It, it's the old me. I, I have to put that aside and be something new for my family. And, you know, it was really scary. Uh, it's, it's very vulnerable. You have to be emotionally open for an infant uh, in a way that is almost fatal as a litigator. Uh, and I really do credit that to, to the movie Ali. So, uh, you know, it, it really, it, it's an ongoing change, but, uh, you know, it, it really gets to the heart of what this podcast is about. So I love that question, man. I feel like I just spoke for our entire time. So thank you for being such a gracious listener. That, uh, that was an emotional question to answer. Uh, wow. I love it. <laughs> I've asked that question many times. I think one of the most to bring a movie and moment together, one of the most impactful people who've ever answered that question was a young lady. Um, they made a movie recently. I'm forgetting the name of it. I think it's five feet apart or six feet apart. And it's, it's a movie about cystic fibrosis. So people who are born with, um, at some point, their lungs will stop working. And wow. it's this beautiful story of these two young kids who meet each other, who both have it, and they're both waiting for their replacement lungs in the hospital. Um, but I interviewed a lady who I, I met her. She had a handle on Instagram. And I remember one time I was scrolling through Instagram and, and things catch your attention. But I remember I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And then this photo of this young woman just caught my attention. And I went, wow, wow. And I just couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes away. And I was like, wow. And I looked her up and she had a website. Her handle was fight to breathe. And the photograph was the picture while well, rewind. I interviewed her. And, okay. and when I interviewed her, she told me her story. I'll give you the fast forward version. And then I'll get back to this, this picture, this moment. Sure. Sure. Um, and then I'll wrap it back to the, to the movie, but I interviewed her and she told me her story. She said, I was born with cystic fibrosis. At one point in my life, my lungs stopped working, went into the hospital. I had to be kept alive on machines until one night, 2 AM. They came in and said, hey, we've got a match, which means they're going to take her into surgery, cut her open straight down the middle, break her ribs, pull the lungs out, put the new lungs in, sew her back up, and then wait and see if they work the next day. Wow. That's what I said. I was wow. And so 
The next day she wakes up, she's got all the machines hooked up, tube down her throat, everything keeping it working and alive. And then they slowly back the machines off to see if the body will pick up the pace and keep her alive. They did it. It worked. And we're like, oh, it worked. So they send her out to life and, and she goes out and she's a young woman. She's playing soccer, doing life. She falls, meets a boy, falls in love, tells him from the beginning at any point, I could just stop working. Like my lungs could just stop. So you got to know if you're going to love me, you got to love me with what's real. Wow. He's like, I'm all in. They fall in love. They get married. Um, everything's going great. And then one day she just has a seizure. And a seizure, her lungs, her replacement lungs stopped working. And they rushed her to the hospital, hooked her back up to all the machines to keep her alive and functioning. And after a few days of looking it over, the doctors came back and said the likelihood that a second replacement would work is so slim that we've decided it's better for you to go on hospice and just kind of live out the last few days. It's not worth trying. So we're going to go ahead and send you home. And we've already talked to the other hospitals around here. They've all agreed. They don't, they said it's not worth trying. So we're just going to go ahead and send you home on hospice and let you live out the last few days. She went home crying and said, I didn't fight for this 19 years to just give up now. So her and her husband wrote a hundred letters to a hundred hospitals around the world asking, is someone willing to help? Four hospitals wrote back and said, we'll try. One of them took her in. So UCLA moved her up there, hooked her up to all the machines to keep her alive. Fast forward, two in the morning, after being on machines for a while, she gets a call. We got a match. They take her back in the surgery, cut her straight open down the middle, crack the ribs open, pull out the old lungs, put in the new lungs, sew her back up, and wait. I interviewed her husband, too. And her husband said... I wish I could tell you the biggest smile I've ever seen on my wife's face was on our wedding day, but I'd be lying. He said the best smile, the biggest smile I've ever seen on my wife's face was the day after she woke up from her second double lung transplant. <laughs> and I said, really? And he says she woke up, she had a tube in her throat, down her mouth, all the stuff hooked up so she couldn't talk. But she had a whiteboard. They were asking her, what's your name? What day is it? What year is it? All this stuff. And after she was done with the questions, she wrote something on the board and she turned it around and on the board, she had the biggest smile on her face. He said, I've ever seen in her whole life. And on the board, it says, I can breathe. Oh, wow. And, wow. I went, and the picture that I had seen on Instagram was the day after that surgery, when she was in a wheelchair, she had... Wow. Her gown was open a little with stitches straight down the middle of her being. There was a tube coming out, draining fluid from her heart that had accidentally happened. There was tubes coming out everywhere with all the lung stuff going on from her body. She had her glasses on and the biggest smile I've ever seen with two thumbs up. I almost just, I don't know if we're allowed to say curse words. I almost just said F. Yeah. I like barely could help it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm and like restraining myself from getting my phone. To, I would, that's wow. It was amazing. I'd never seen anyone who's been through that much with that big of a smile. And it just caught my attention. And when I interviewed her, I asked her that same question. What's the hardest thing you've ever been through? And, and she shared with me all these moments that she had gone through. 
And what was so fascinating is coming back to that movie, the ability for a director, a team, artists, actors, actresses, the whole crew to get together and say, how do we capture these very, very precious moments of life? And how do we bring them so that others can even have a sense, just a feeling of what it might feel like to have to live through that? I think is one of the coolest things because it's an experience. You're able to step into another human being's experience for just a few hours and see what life might feel like in a different way. You said it, man. I, that, that's exactly what it's all about. I, I feel like uh, you, you kind of, I feel like I've gone through that just hearing about the story just now, uh, you know, just in a very compressed period. Um, and, and that's really what it is all about. I mean, just, just to go through that, you know, I, I felt myself holding my breath just in my body, uh, and letting it out, you know, when you described, you know, her having her thumbs up, uh, and, and just smiling in that picture. Uh, and that's, that's what art is all about. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not anything like, you know, she's sharing that story to, to inspire other people. Uh, so, you know, it's, there's, there's an element when it's something physical and obvious like that, uh, that grabs people, especially when it's depicted in a picture. Uh, but it's the human element that, that says, you know, I hope I can be like that, whatever it is. I, I hope I don't ever go through something like that. But if I do or whatever it is, I, I hope that I can face it, you know, uh, you know, with that same human spirit and, and you feel it you feel that connection, man. So that, that's an amazing story. What's that movie called? Yeah, let me Google it real quick. Oh, I never mind. I, I thought you uh, were described. I thought you were did the woman's life was the no, movie. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it just happened to be a movie, a movie that I had seen recently at that time okay and then i remember it's kind of one of those things once your mind starts paying attention to something then it shows up in other places um it's the movie was called five feet apart five feet apart and it's a book turned blockbuster film that details a story of stella and will two teenagers with cystic fibrosis who meet during a clinical trial and so they have a six foot rule that teens cannot touch or get too close to one another um based on they need to stay safe because they're very vulnerable because of how, how sensitive their lungs are. Interesting. And wow. so that, that wasn't her story. Um, okay. It was just one of those movies that came out at the time. And I remember watching the movie after just seeing and, and listening and talking to her and thinking, wow, that's what life feels like for her. That's, Definitely. that's what her experience is similar to. I think one of the coolest things and I, I asked her the question I'll ask you next, which is, I asked her, what do you think the world needs more of? And she says, the world needs more hype man. And I said, what's, <laughs> what's hype man? And she says, when I was in the hospital by myself, you don't realize how bare the walls feel when you're in a room that doesn't belong to you for only a short period of time, hoping that everything goes right. Sure. And she said, she created this community where when someone who has cystic fibrosis goes in for treatments or trials or surgery or anything they need, um, they find out who is going in. And she put a system together where she'll notify everyone else in the community 
and they will send hundreds and hundreds of letters and notes and little, you got it. We've got your back. We're cheering for you. We're praying for you. All these little messages and they'll get them all together and then they'll take them to the person in the hospital and they will cover every square inch of the walls with little notes from the community that's got your back. That's unbelievable. And she said, the world needs more hype, man. The world needs to know that more people have their back and the community stands strong to support each other. I love that. I, I would say what I, the way I would answer that question is just a different way of saying the world needs more hype men, which is, uh, you know, uh, it's simple, but I do think the world needs more love. And uh, I think all great art, one way or another, is coming from a place of, of love or, you know, sometimes it's depicting its, the effects of its absence, you know, so bleakly that you might question whether it is, but, you know, that's a, a complicated question, but I think the answer is still yes. And, uh, you know, it's much less complicated in an example like that. And, and that's what the world really needs is just regular people getting in touch with themselves and each other, you know, asking their hearts, you know, what, what do we all need and, and how can we help each other? And then making things and, and representing to each other how they really feel. And, uh, you know, it, it really, you can't, you can measure it. You definitely can. And there are plenty of studies that do. But, you know, moment by moment, each one is different, but they're all kind of the same. And uh, it's, it's just humans reaching out to each other. So I think the more of that, the better. And, you know, it looks all kinds of ways, but, or all kinds of different ways. But the more, the more love, the better. The more art, the better. And, you know, the more talking about those kinds of things, the better, definitely. It's true. It's true. Here's a question. What's a new movie you've seen recently? Man, I, I will tell you, it's going to be one of the first movies that we talk about on Success Movie Rewind. It is the new Spider-Man movie. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know if you're a fan. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I've been trying to stream it and nothing has it available yet. It wasn't on I, any of the platforms just yet. I, yeah, I, I had the exact experience. I did get out to the movies, I think for the first time since, uh, you know, COVID hit. Uh, and it was a great experience, but, uh, you know, I think it'll be out on streaming pretty soon, you know, and it, it's a, it's a great experience. You know, if you're a fan of, you know, I've seen all the Spider-Man movies over the years. So it's, it's another one of those stories where at this point, the, I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies. Um, you know, I have been from the start, so they're, they're so stacked with meaning at this point and they have multiple universes and multiple versions of Spider-Man now. And, you know, uh, I've been multiple versions of me seeing Spider-Man and, you know, just thinking about what that all means. It was just such a fun time. It's got me back watching, you know, the old Spider-Man. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that episode a lot. I, I think the audience will enjoy it. I love that. I love that. Well, I'm excited to see you get this off the ground. I'm excited for the the insights, for the the vantage point you're going to be able to share with people. Um, in the show, I think they've gotten a gist of what they can expect. But if you were to give them any points, I, I always know as someone who prepares podcasts, we tend to come with what we hope someone walks away with or the message we hope that lands for the listeners out there, how can they get the most out of this? 
That's a great question. I would say um, our overall broad point for everybody is to think about the stories that you've been told, that you're telling yourself, and that you're telling other people. And think about what they mean to you. And, and eventually, my hope is you'll start seeing opportunities to tell new stories moment by moment, just whenever you get the chance to look at them and eventually whenever you decide to look at them. And that's really where you're taking authorship you know, of your life uh, or in you know, the film world, you would say you're becoming like an, an auteur of your life. You're still collaborating, you know, and I loved your point about how you're working with the cast and crew and, and a production team. And, you know, we all are, I think, in some way, the main character of our lives. It's just inevitable. But our lives are documentaries about, you know, this big story we're all telling, you know, each other. So, you know, I, I definitely want the audience to just, whenever you see a story, ask yourself what it means and who's telling it and why, and if you're telling it, you know, why and what values does it show? Are they your values? Uh, you know, and, you know, as a, a value proposition, I think that that just continues to give and give and give if you are willing to be inquisitive about those, those elements. So if you listen to our show, uh, I think it, it would be good if you saw the movie beforehand. You know, I do know not everyone can get to a movie theater. And as a, a parent to young children, uh, believe me, it was it was not inevitable that I saw this movie. You know, I, it definitely took some scheduling. Uh, you know, I, I, it was worth it. It was a great time. But, uh, you know, I definitely, I'll try not to spoil too much, you know, and, and really we're going to focus on the lessons and the applicability to personal development, you know, uh, but not to, not to lose the balance of also appreciating, you know, uh, what makes these moments really special, uh, you know, and different from everyday life. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm thrilled for this show. I'm excited to see where you take it. Uh, good luck with it. I'm excited to listen in. And for everyone who's listening, I hope you enjoy this journey. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to be here and I, I'm so excited for everyone to join it. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.